All right, everybody ready for an awareness test? All right, okay, brace yourself. All right, here we go. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? It's easy to miss something that you're not looking for. I have to admit, uh, I missed it. First time, just walked right through there, didn't, didn't see it. And, and it could be that during this Christmas season that, uh, you know, we, we talk about Jesus and we're going to talk about Jesus today and we think about the manger and all the different aspects of Jesus. But, but could it be that we see the Jesus that we want to see and maybe not Jesus as Jesus really is? You know, I, I want to challenge your thinking a little bit in that area today. Uh, I, I just started reading a book. Uh, it's called uh, God Has a Name by John Comer. And um, I want to read a little excerpt that he said, which kind of speaks to this. Um, he says, my friend Scott McKnight is a New Testament professor in Chicago. And for years, he taught a class on Jesus. And he would start every semester with two surveys. The first was a set of questions about the student what they like, dislike, believe, and so on. The second was the same set of questions, but this time about Jesus. He told me that 90% of the time, the answers were exactly the same. That is, and then I'm going to read a little more. He says, he says, that's telling, isn't it? Here's how you know if you've created God in your own image. He agrees with you on everything. He hates all the people you hate. He voted for the person you voted for. If you're a Republican, so is he. If you're a Democrat, she is too. If you're passionate about whatever, then God is passionate about whatever. If you're open and elastic about sexuality, so is he. And above all, he's tame. You never get mad at him or blown away by him or scared of him because he's controllable. And of course, he's a figment of your imagination. Often what we believe about God says more about us than it does about God. Our theology is like a mirror to the soul. It shows us what's deep inside. Honestly, I think this is something that I've wrestled with. I think it, all, it's something that if we really take Jesus serious, that to some degree, we'll, we'll also, all of us will, will wrestle with it. And, and, and so we want to ask the question, how do we experience the fullness of Jesus throughout the whole year, the real Jesus, not just the Jesus in the manger, and that's part of the story, and not just the other aspects of Jesus, but, 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 but the real Jesus. And what, what is, what's the partial image that you gravitate towards? Where you like, Maybe you focus on that and you go, yeah, that's, that's my Jesus. And I, I, was, I was thinking about the two versions of Jesus that I like most, all right? And so, and I, I just find myself gravitating to this. And I, I, I've, uh, I've been a Christ follower since I was 19 years old, and I've read the New Testament, and especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the story of Jesus, hundreds of times. And so I find myself in certain parts of it going, oh, I like that, I like that part about Jesus. 
So here, here's the two parts that I, I, I like the most. Um, I like party Jesus. I love party Jesus. So, you know, uh, like, I'll give you one instance of that. So uh, when, when Jesus calls out uh, Matthew, the tax collector, he finds him one day at the tax booth, and he goes, hey, you fo- want to follow me? And, and so Matthew jumps up and goes, yeah. And, and so the first thing he does is he invites Jesus to a party, and he invites all of his friends who are just the most notorious sinners around, uh, and, you know, just the crowd that the church wants nothing to, nothing to do with. And so Jesus is at the party, and uh, all the church people, all the fundamentalists and, you know, all the highly religious people are outside. They're going, what are you doing with those people? You know, I thought you said that you were the Messiah. And, and Jesus is like, hey, look it, man. I came to help these people. And like the, all the like high church people, they just, they just don't get I love that version of Jesus. Let me give you another version of Jesus that I really, really like. I like the, what I would call the revolutionary part of Jesus. So you probably are familiar with the story when Jesus walks into the temple and they've turned it into a casino. And, and they're basically made it into a business and, and, and he just goes off on everybody and says, before he goes in, he actually makes a whip. And, and then he just comes in and he's just like, rah, he's chasing everybody out of the temple and they're all running you know, for their life and he's turning tables over and money's just all over the place. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can get into that kind of Jesus. That's my kind, Jesus. But see, here, here's the thing. There are other parts of Jesus I'm not so on board with, if I'm really being honest. I mean, there's a lot to Jesus. There's a lot to it. And, and the more that you read his story and the more you see what he said and, and who he is, you, you realize that. And, and so I want, I want us to explore that just a little bit. So let's actually start at the, the Christmas time, Jesus, all right? We call this the incarnation. Of course, the incarnation is... God in the flesh, and, and, and God does this incredible miracle where he, he comes into the world um, and becomes one of us. One translation says he came into our neighborhood uh, and lived with us. And so in um, Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, it says, while they were there, the, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And, and a lot of people know that story. Most people who are not even Christ followers kind of know that story, and they're like, oh, that's a cute story. You know, I, I can get into that story. Um, but, but, but we can't just, like, leave him in the manger. It can't be just like, you know, there's some people like, oh, I love it. And then Christmas is over. It's like, okay, we'll just move on. Cool story. And we'll revisit it next Christmas. But it's, no, that's, that was the beginning of an amazing story that continues today. And then there's the, the wise teacher part of Jesus. This is the sage, right? This is the Jesus that has the incredible quotes and says things that absolutely blow people away. And uh, For instance, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29, when Jesus had finished saying these things, look, look, look what happens. It says, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. So here comes Rabbi Jesus. And he teaches, and just over and over again, it's like, wow. We, like, we've never, ever heard anything like this. One time, they, uh, the religious authorities wanted to have Jesus arrested, which just happened over and over again. And they sent a bunch of soldiers out to go arrest Jesus, and the soldiers caught so, they were so caught up in what Jesus was saying, they returned back, and they hadn't arrested him. They said, why didn't you arrest him? And they said, we have never, ever heard anybody like this. He gets quoted a lot, and there are people all through the people who believed in him and who people who didn't. Who just think of Gandhi, 
Einstein, Napoleon, um, other people throughout the ages have, have quoted him. College professors all across the, the United States quote him all the time. Even they acknowledge the wisdom of Jesus. But, but there's a big difference between acknowledging his wisdom and his, just the profound things that he said and actually believing in him. You see, the same people that listened to him and were just like, oh, you're amazing, some of those same people were the ones that said crucify him. They endorsed his crucifixion because, see, he crossed a line that they didn't like. I mean, it was one thing for Jesus to say all those things and go, man, you, you are something else, Jesus. Man, you are. I've never heard anything like that. It was another thing for him to say, I'm God. Because when he said that, he crossed a line. And they said, whoa, oh, oh you, you don't get to say that. And that's what he was crucified for. And so we have the, the wise sage Jesus, and, and some of us, that's, what we're, that's the part of, of him that, that we like. And then there, there's actually the miracle-working part of, of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, and he healed them. You know, one of the things that I've discovered as a pastor, and I've been a pastor a long, long time now, is that miracles do not equate into belief. They might, just for a short time, but I, I know so many people throughout my life who've experienced miracles. I mean, veri verifi verifiable miracles. I mean, incredible stuff, mind-blowing things, and you're like, wow, you had a, you and, and for the moment, they're like, yeah, I, ah, celebration, and then, you know, six months later, they're just like, see ya, in terms of faith. I'm like, what happened there? And, and it, it, it really doesn't surprise me, because if you, re, if you read the story, uh, especially in the Old Testament, remember when God was leading the children of Israel through the desert? And what is it? You know, he parts the Red Sea, does miracle after miracle after miracle, and it, it, no sooner would he do a miracle, and they would just completely forget about the miracle and, and just go do their own thing. So it, I think for some people, it's like, you know, that, that, that Jesus is kind of like cosmic Santa Claus, you know, like, oh, and, and I call them crisis Christians. Crisis Christian is the person who's like, oh, God, I need a miracle. And God comes through, and they're like, okay, thanks, see you later. And the next time they have a need, it's like, well, we're right back to that. And so there's no, no guarantee that miracle-working Jesus will keep anybody in the faith. But he is a miracle worker still, even today. But, and then there's, there's the crucified Jesus. Um, my wife and I had the privilege of going to... Um, Israel. I mean, I'm sorry, not Israel. I, I want to go to Israel. I haven't been there yet. Uh, went to Italy, and uh, we went to the Vatican, and we went. To, we spent a lot of time in Rome. We went to Florence and some other places. But one, there, there was a common theme that we saw over there. Everywhere we went, there was there was Jesus on the cross, and you go to their cathedrals, and everywhere you go, I mean, everywhere you go, all the museums and everything, there is Jesus, and he's on a cross. And there's a lot of blood, and there's a lot of different parts of suffering Jesus everywhere you go. Now, I, I want to say, I, I kind of had an, I have an appreciation for that. Because, you know, in, in Protestant thing, religion, he's never on, and it's like, get him off the cross, get him off the cross, you're not on there anymore. And I, I get, you know, all right, I get that. But I love, I love the fact that people are like, yeah, no, no, we, we want to appreciate what he did on the cross. I, I get it. But, but the problem with that can be that we, uh, we kind of get stuck in the suffering part uh, of Jesus. Of course, in John chapter 19, you, you see that. The soldiers actually saw that. They, they took charge of Jesus. And they, they carried him off the cross. They saw the blood. They saw all parts of it. And, and at this place called Golgotha, where they crucified him. 
It's an amazing story, and we know the stories, and movies have been made about it. But here's the problem with that. Some people, you can get so caught in the suffering. I've noticed that a lot of people that suffer and kind of stay in the suffering, identify with the cross, and that's okay. But Jesus wants to get you beyond the suffering. He was on a mission, right? Come into the world, be born into the world, and then die. Horrible crucifixion for our sins. But he didn't want to leave us there. And the problem is, is that for some people, it's like, no, I just want to stay there. And part of the suffering is they don't want to change. You know, everybody thinks change is good until it's their time to change. Suffering's great, or, or changing's great, right? You go first. That's, that's the kind of suffering we don't want. And, and, and so it's, it's like, no, we got to get beyond the cross. We got to be on, and that's, that's a big part of the story, but that's not all the story, because then we have the resurrection. And guess what, folks? In Christianity, if we don't have a resurrection, we don't have anything. The Apostle Paul really, really hit on this when he said, if we don't have a resurrected Jesus, we are to be pitied more than all people, right? But we do. And you, you can, you know, there's a thousand books out there and all the evidence is out there, but we, we have a resurrected Jesus. In um, John chapter 10, 10, Jesus himself says this. He says, I have come that they may have life. He's speaking to all who would ever follow him, all who would ever believe in him. I've come to, that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, you say, well, what's, what's the problem with the resurrected? There, there's no problem, but there is an issue that some people have, and that is they believe that the resurrected Jesus is simply for the afterlife. And so it's like, okay, sign it on the dotted line, said the prayer, cool, cash in when I die. But Jesus said, no, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 this was for this life too. The, the resurrection wasn't just about, yeah, one day we get to be with God forever, and that's going to be cool and everything that that's about. That's amazing, right? But, but, but he said that I've come that they may have life now in this life to the full. I mean, he came to set us free from the burdens of this life and the stuff that takes us down now. And, and there are a lot of people that, again, said the prayer, done, and then they just move on. And Jesus isn't really part of their life anymore. Well, here's, here's I guess, maybe the most important question, and that is, is, who do you say that he is? Now, this is something that one day Jesus, in his ministry, confronted his own disciples with. And, and so, so one day he goes to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And this is really an important place. He's very intentional about taking him there. This is a place that has all kinds of religions going on, all kinds of gods that they're worshiping in this place. It's interesting that he takes them there, and then he asks them this, this all-important question. You find this in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16. He says, when, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, and I, I like the way that he begins this. First of all, he doesn't say, who do you say I am? He, he starts by like, hey, what's the word on the street? Like, um, what, are, what are people saying about what are, what are you hearing out there? And, of course, they report back, and they said, well, now that you ask, some people that say that, you know, they think that you might be John the Baptist and to come back to life. And, and then, or, or Elijah. And Elijah, of course, was a part, when the Messiah came, the Jews thought that Elijah would be a, a part of that. Or Jeremiah, or, or one of the prophets who, you know, highly honored prophets. And then Jesus kind of turns it towards them, and he goes, huh, Okay. Okay, it's good, good. So what about you guys, anyway? Then he really personalizes it. 
Who do you say that I am? I mean, after all, by this time, he'd been with them for a while. They'd seen, obviously, they'd seen the miracles. They'd, they'd listened to all of his messages. They knew him. They, they lived with him. They knew everything about him at that point. He said, who, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, and it, you know, Simon Peter's the kind of guy that can really, really mess things up if you read his story. But on this occasion, he nails it. And he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. In that moment, he knew. He knew that Jesus was, was more than a man. He understood his divinity. He understood that when he said that he was the Messiah, that he was God, he got it in that moment. And really, the question is, who do you say that he is? Is he just the wise teacher, or is he just the, the baby that you know, was in the manger? The miracle worker? Uh, the, the, the wise sage? What is it for you? Who is Jesus to you? And then will you allow Jesus to be all that he wants to be in your life? Not just your version, not just my version. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've been following Jesus for a long time, and there are still things about Jesus that kind of mess with me. There are things that he said that I still have a hard time. I'd like, I can appreciate it, but I, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not always on board with it. And that's why I want you to just keep reading the story. Probably the fact that I'm not on board with it says something for sure about me, but it says more about him. It says what it, it's about him which is right. Let me give you a couple of examples. That thing that Jesus says about, like, if somebody asks for your shirt, give me your coat. I'm not on board with that. I mean, I, I appreciate what he's saying, but, like, really, I, I kind of want my coat. Um, I'm just, this, is a, this one even gets me more. When he says, you know, when somebody hits you across the face, you know, then turn the other cheek. Totally not on board with that. Now, I, I will tell you this, that if, uh, I, I think I've matured enough in my faith right now that it could happen. Please don't try me. But I'm just saying, there is a possibility it could happen. I might hit you first after, and then say, okay, you can hit me now, now I've hit you back. But, I mean, just, just things like that. That's just like the tip of the iceberg are things that Jesus said that kind of irritate me. Like, I'm, I'm like, God, I can't believe you. Why did you say that? See, I don't get to create my own version of Jesus. I don't get to put words in his mouth. When, when Jesus says hard things about marriage and about divorce, when he says hard things about, you know, uh, money and other things in life, like, I don't get to say, well, no, he didn't really say that. He actually meant this. No, I, I just have to, like, if I'm going to embrace the real Jesus and everything that he was, then I got I to come to terms with that. And, and the longer I live, the more I appreciate the fact that he is who he is. And what he is is so much more than I am, so much more than we are. I, I, every year that goes by, I appreciate his wisdom and why he said what, what, what he said. John would go on, as at the very end of the book of John, John, John would say this. He'd say, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. He's, he's, he's just so much more. Um, this is what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians. I just want to read a few verses to you. Chapter 1, beginning with uh, 
verse 13, or excuse me, verse 15. So, you know, we've looked at the, the baby, and we've looked at the wise sage, and we've looked at the miracle worker, and we've looked at the one who was crucified, and we've looked at the resurrection and all those things, and those are also aspects of Jesus. But he says, Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. He existed before God, and he made everything all and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made all things that we can see and the things that we can't see, kings, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, everything that has been created through him and for him. And he existed before anything else began, and he holds all creation together. So, wow, I mean, that takes it to a whole different level. Baby to creator to holding the whole universe together to the it would go on to say that he he is the head of the church and so do, do we can we appreciate him as such do we understand him that that particular way i want to um share with you a, a real short poem and it goes like this it's called three dollars worth of god I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want a, a warmth of the, t- of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. And I wonder... If for some of us, that's the deal. Oh, baby Jesus, beautiful story. About $3 worth of God. Or if we can really get into the fact that Jesus was born into this world as a baby and grew up and was crucified and was resurrected and is everything that he said he was. And can you come to terms with that? Now, I realize that most of us in the room right now follow Jesus But I I want to challenge you as we move on from the Christmas season and beyond into the coming months. Are you willing to follow Jesus, the real Jesus, not just your version, not just the one that you like, the one that votes the way that you vote and the one that you created? I want to challenge you to come to terms with Jesus as he really is. Because I believe it could change everything for you. I believe it could be the greatest adventure you've ever experienced in your life when you begin to say, okay, I'm not going to read into him what I think he is. I'm going to read it and let Jesus be Jesus and say to me what he has to say. And I'm going to embrace who Jesus really is in my life. There's never, ever, ever been anybody like him in the history of the world and there never, ever will be again. He loves us and he has a plan for our life. But it's not cool for us to project onto him who we think he ought to be. He is who he is. He's God. And just for a moment, I'd like you, if you would, to um, bow your heads and close your eyes. And let's just for a moment explore our own heart and our own soul. And so in this moment, Lord, we come to you. And I say we, I mean me too. And we realize we all have our experiences with you or not, and our thoughts on you. 
and our ways of seeing you. But Lord, I, I pray that in this Christmas season, when we do celebrate one aspect of your story, that you came into this world, you became flesh, you, you, you took on humanity. That, that, that Lord, that was part of the story, but that there's so much more, and that, that we would open our hearts and we would open our minds to the possibilities of everything that that means. That we would open ourselves to beginning an adventure with you that maybe we've never, we've always been afraid of. What would it really mean, God, if I, if I really, really accepted Jesus on his terms, not mine? If I didn't project onto him what I think instead of letting him speak to me about what he says? So, Lord, I pray that in this moment that some hearts will be open and some minds will be open to receive you as you really are, to believe what you really, really said, even if it messes with our mind, even if we struggle with it. God, it's an incredible journey to walk with you and know you. And in this Christmas season, I do pray that that for some people, it'll be a new beginning. It'll be a new birth. I pray for many of us who are already following you and believing you that everything begins to become more real. That we get brave and say, God, I'm going to believe everything. I'm going to accept all of you just the way you are. Every word that you said. And find out what that means for my life. Won't you accept him, all of him, who he really is, not who you say he is or who I say he is, who he really is this morning. Invite him into your heart, into your life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.